Life Audio. Hurry is often seen as a virtue, uh, when in actuality it is often more likely a liability. Uh, we like to say, well, we don't like to say it, but we feel the need to say it that hurry is costing us more than we think. I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to so much more. And after a quick word from our sponsors, my guest, Alan Fadling, and I will be back to talk about how God invites us to live at an unhurried and peaceful pace. But look around you, your family, your faith, they're not in the way, they are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up, it's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Alan is the president and co-founder of Unhurried Living, which inspires people to rest deeper, live fuller, and lead better. He speaks and consults internationally with organizations like Saddleback Church and InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, among many others. And he is an award-winning author of An Unhurried Leader and An Unhurried Life which was honored with Christianity Today's Award of Merit in Spirituality. He's also the co-author of What Does Your Soul Love, which he wrote with his wife, Jim. And Jim Fadling has been on this podcast a few times because, well, Alan, your and Jim's work lines up beautifully with this podcast and what we're doing here as well. So it is so good to have you on the podcast. Thanks for making some space for us today. It's great to be able to be with you. I've been looking forward to it. Well, me too. So we're doing a series starting this brand new year of just thinking about how we can enter into this year at a different pace, living in a Mm. different way, being peaceful and restful. And so instead of making a bunch of New Year's resolutions, which will probably last a week or two, maybe three if we're really diligent, um, we're just wanting to take a deep breath, create some space for God and through scripture meditation, and then also just living into the different metric one that God is inviting us into. So you are the perfect person to kick this series off because your whole ministry oh. is called Unhurried Living. Yeah, <laughs> so it is. I, I want to start there. So tell us about Unhurried Living, how the ministry come about, and what are your desires for those who interact with you and what you're doing? 
Well, you know, the, the ministry began, my wife and I founded it almost seven years ago now. And, uh, it grew out in some ways out of a couple of books I wrote. Um, you mentioned them in the introduction. Um, but it, it grows too out of my work with leaders in a lot of different contexts, churches, nonprofits, business, education, you name it. And not just here in the States, but really around the world. And the concern that I feel is a concern about how hurry is often seen as a virtue. Uh, when in actuality, it is often more likely a liability. Uh, we like to say, well, we don't like to say it, but we feel the need to say it, that hurry is costing us more than we think. Mm, that's good. And so hurry looks like a lot of different things. Anxiety is one flavor of hurry. You know, worrying about what everybody else thinks is another flavor of hurry. Thinking I am what I do or I am what I have is another and so we address all of these sorts of things. At the heart of it, though, would be that we think that Jesus is an unhurried Savior in the best sense of that word, mm-hmm. and that since we are followers, at least I see myself as that, uh, what would it do to me to realize I'm following an unhurried Savior? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And what has it done to you in your personal life to realize you're following an unhurried Savior? What have, what have you noticed about how your life has changed? Well, you used the language of pacing a moment ago. And I've just come to think that unhurried uh, looks like um, it looks like the pace of grace instead mm-hmm. of the pace of driven achievement. And so I find that maybe in the language of Paul, I'm learning how to grow in grace uh, for myself, for others, uh, as it relates to my work. Um, that's been important. I feel like uh, unhurried has been a way of learning to grow in peace in place of my lifelong wrestling with anxiety. Mm. Uh, Dallas Willard used to say, you know, anything you could do in anxiety, you could just do a lot better in peace. Mm. And it's been a journey to learn that he was right (laughs) when he said that. (laughs) And that's good news for me. Um, it looks like uh, living at the pace of love instead of at the pace of my own selfish projects and plans and agendas and such. So being able to stop and be with people who need uh, help or need something I can give them. I think those are at least some of the forms. The last thing I'll say maybe is that in an unhurried life, I talked about how Jesus had time to withdraw to lonely places to pray. But I often in my young leadership didn't have time for that. Mm-hmm. and. Um, I have time for that now. That's that's an intentional rhythm in the midst of what is often a busy uh, work life. Um, I still have plenty of times to follow Jesus to those lonely places. And that makes all the difference in my soul, but also in my work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I That is definitely something the Lord has been teaching me as well over the last many years. But more, even more recently, I feel like I've been in a crash course which is odd to say it that way. I've been in a, in a season of more intense learning about pulling back and not being so intense. <laughs> I hear and, you. And so, yeah, I, I, what I am learning is that the Lord is more effective with my surrendered, peaceful self than he was with my striving. Uh, self that just was doing all the things in my own strength, even though I was really trying to be 
surrendered to God. I It was, you know, a check-in with God and then a run a thousand miles an hour out the door until I got home and collapsed. And I'm just, yeah, I'm learning. I love how you've talked about pace of grace, the pace of peace, the pace of love. There's something that's so deeply attractive about the way that that has been said. Like my soul hears those things and longs for that. And so thank you for um, saying it that way. That was beautiful. I appreciate that. Thank you. I was just going to say, um, you know, I just think that that, that is the way mm. of God. That is the way of Jesus. It's the way of the kingdom. And sometimes we get stuck on the what of God and the what of the kingdom, and we want to get our answers right. Of course, that matters and our theology or our doctrine or whatever, but our way this is often where the the idea of being hurried or unhurried comes into play. It's how I'm doing what I do that can make mm-hmm. all the difference. Your newest book, which I hadn't mentioned yet, is called A Year of Slowing Down. Yeah. And it is really just this invitation to a whole year of learning how to slow down. And you've written it in three movements. So tell us about what those are. Well, essentially... These are, all of these are excerpts from my journal over 30 some years. And the movements really are sort of neighborhoods of scripture. So the first movement, the first quarter of this year is uh, in the Old Testament and largely in the Psalms. I see it as uh, uh, demonstrating the unhurried way of God and how God's people respond in worship and uh so that's the first movement. The second movement, which is really half the year from, you know, from, uh, yeah, six months worth of readings are mostly rooted in the gospels. They are trying to look at Jesus as an unhurried savior. I just think being able to spend six months in a sense walking with Jesus, not trying to run for Jesus, mm. um, can make a huge difference. And so that's what the second movement's about. And then the final quarter, the last three months of the readings are, rooted in the letters of Paul all the way out to the book of Revelation. And there, I like to think of it as seeing the unhurried community of God's people. Hmm. Uh, sometimes the way we arrange our life as the church keeps us frantically busy. Hmm. And of course, the things we're doing matter. I, 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 what I'm trying to say is that sometimes we squeeze out time for what perhaps matters most. Mm -hmm. And so that last three months is about helping us think about that Mm -hmm. part of our our unhurried journey. I often think that none of us are making the choice between good and bad. (laughs) Uh, Most of us. I I mean, yes, there are times when we're making bad choices, but for, for the most decisions that we make, we're making choices about how to do good things, but we're doing too many good things. So we're missing the best thing which is exactly what you just said. Mm. Your first movement of the book, you're largely in the Psalms. And that's what we've chosen to meditate on is a Psalm that you address. It's Psalm 62 verses five through eight. I just want to read it as a quick reminder. And I'd love for you to even just talk about why you chose that Psalm or even just some of the things that you learned as you were leaning into this unhurried way of God. Yeah. So uh, it it was Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8, and I'm doing it out of the NIV. It says, yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. 
My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. I love those lines. Yeah, I may be putting you on the spot a little bit, but uh, you you focused in on verse five. I you know my soul will find rest in God. Yeah, which really is that whole theme of that first movement. So tell us what are some things that you have discovered about the unhurried way of God? Well, I think in the spirit of that psalm, that that idea of finding rest for our souls in God. We live in a world where we tend to think that our rest is somewhere else. Uh, our rest is if this problem gets solved. Uh, our rest is if this to-do list gets done. Our rest is if that conflict gets resolved. It's, it's rest out there. I'll find rest if out there gets better or changes or gets fixed. But what the psalmist says is my soul actually finds rest in God. And then that list, uh, as the verses continued, that list of who God is, why it is that in God I would find rest. Well, because God's a place of security. God is a generous provider. All the things that would make me feel restless, where I'm tempted to try and solve them out there somewhere, actually that rest is in here, in my communion with God. My soul finds rest in God. So I think that whole section is about trying to help the reader uh, find that rest that God gives, learn that less hurried pace, and discover that actually it's in communion with God that we learn to cultivate it. Yeah, I love how you even just highlighted that the things that make us restless, God is saying, I will provide all of those things for you. We're going to pause here for a quick word from our sponsors, and then Alan and I will be back to talk about how Jesus models rest for us as our unhurried Savior. Let's talk about the second part about the unhurried Savior, which in some ways it's remarkable to think of Jesus as unhurried. And of course, we wouldn't think of him as hurrying. We we never see him rushing around. And yet in our flesh, when we kind of impose, wow, you know, 33 years-ish, he had a lot to do. <laughs> That's got a lot to accomplish in those few years. And yet he lives at this pace that is so different than the ones that we feel like the world is inviting us to, or we feel like we are should be living. So just talk a little bit about the unhurried Savior and what you see Jesus teaching us. Well, I sort of introduced this idea in the first book I wrote, which was An Unhurried Life. And some of those chapters, I, I talk about Jesus being unhurried enough to pray or unhurried enough to care for people or unhurried enough to see temptation coming and say no. Like These are some things we learn. So this passage of the book, about half of it, was a chance to unpack that more. So the way I like to think of it is that Jesus in only three and a half years gets more done than I have. You know, this in in a month or two, I'll have reached 40 years in paid ministry. And I still think I'm way behind what Jesus managed to accomplish. And the way he did what he did was at a very different pace than I'm accustomed to. I imagine productivity is just a math problem. Plus, 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 plus. That's what needs to happen. But in the rhythm of creation, that's not how productivity happens. In the mm. kingdom of God, that's not how productivity happens. 
and in the life of Jesus and in my communion with him. It's not how it happens. How it happens is at a walking pace. I walk with God. Uh, And so I love learning that even, for example, when the crowds were at their biggest and the disciples' instinct was, let's carry, let's get grab this momentum. Oh, my goodness. This is the best thing that ever happened. And then Jesus has disappeared. Where is he? Where he's apparently it's even more important to him to have some time with his father, even so he doesn't want the crowds naming him. Uh, only the father gets to name him. So this is what I I mean is is Jesus is an unhurried savior. We're learning the values of the kingdom by seeing what he says yes to and what he says no to, what he says wait to and what he says now to, and um. I think sometimes it surprises us, his values, his priorities, his decisions, but mm-hmm. but he, we have a lot to learn from him. Yeah. And I only could imagine what it would be like for him now mm. um, being in our world today, which, you know, there it was, you know, travel by foot to village to village or by boat if, you, if you've got one and there's, and there's yeah. a body of water in front of you. It's just so fascinating to think about what would he say that's too fast. I don't need to be doing that. I need to focus on what's right here in front of me. And and like you said, here we are, you know, you've been in vocational ministry for 40 years nearly, and I have been in vocational ministry for 15 uh, we haven't accomplished anything like what he's done with all the tools of modern society <laughs> at our fingertips yeah. uh, to multiply our time and multiply our voices. And maybe that's not the most important thing. Yeah, I think sometimes, again, we we tend to only give our attention to quantity. And so we imagine more is better, more is what's to be measured. But uh, sometimes Jesus Jesus measures mm-hmm. depth. And definitely technology doesn't help us a great deal with depth. We actually sometimes have to give ourselves a little bit of a break from some of the devices and, uh, you know, websites and things that maybe we spend time Mm with to be able to move to depth. And so, again, I think letting Jesus be the one who measures what is fruitful is a good thing to do. So let's, let's talk about the third part, which is this unhurried community. And you started to tee it up a little bit about how we, in our current communities, are doing a lot of work, Mm -hmm. a lot of good things, a lot of good things, but just so many of them. And it feels like you've seen a little different way Mm -hmm. as you have leaned into this kind of unhurried community side of it. So I'd love to just have you unpack that for us a little bit. Yeah, so... I think it's really interesting. You know, it was tragic as the global pandemic hit us. And, you know, every state had its own sort of approach to things. We here in California took a very cautious approach to things. And, but the result was a lot of us had an unexpected, unhurried experience. We couldn't take our kids to the 17 things they had on their calendar that week. You know, we couldn't go and gather in person for a season at the local church. And I heard at least some people say, I'm not sure I miss all of the stuff I used to do. And inside what I thought was, I wonder what it will look like when you can do all those things again. 
Um, so what I want to say, you know, it's not my job to tell churches what to do, but what I do want to ask is, is everything you're doing bearing the fruit you hoped it would bear? Um, are we sometimes just putting things on the calendar because we think that's what we must mm-hmm. do? Or might we want to ask, how are we helping the people of God walk with God, enjoy communion with God, enjoy the presence of God for themselves in community? Uh, how are we helping people discover the ways God uniquely gifted them, not just for, let's say, a job at the church, but for living ministry in the whole of their lives, in, in all those other hours where they're not gathered at a particular geographical location? Mm-hmm. So I just think these are some of the things that we can ask if we slow down, if we don't just immediately assume that one more thing on the calendar is always the better thing to do. Sometimes less is more, you know, we've said uh, in other contexts, but I think it's true in the church as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like we're on that other side and it's just all back to the way it was before. I don't feel like much has changed after we've gone through this collective experience of taking that deep breath and for many of us. Now, some some people did not have a good experience with taking that deep breath because they were either isolated or completely alone. Sure. So that is also true. But it would be interesting to go back and even ask some of those people, so how is it, again, living at that pace? And it's hard to make choices, though. It really, I, I know it's hard. It is hard. The thing that I, I go, go back to a lot is, you know, Jesus says, very simply, he says, you know, let your yes be yes, let your no be no, which is to say sometimes yes is the right answer and sometimes no is the right answer. But for some of us, we feel like the only answer we can ever give to anything that's ever asked of us is yes. Like that's the only answer of faithfulness. But Jesus says no. That's right. <laughs> because every yes we say is a thousand no's, you know, mm-hmm. and so we we want to say good yeses we want to say wise yeses mm-hmm. and to do so will inevitably require saying some wise and good nos yeah that what brings to mind for me is is when jesus is being pulled into hey come and heal more people there's people all over your house right now and he says it's time for us to move on that is a very bad paraphrase but that is i that is stunning to me because he could, he had the power to say yes, to do all of that. And yet he knew this will distract me and us from what really needs to happen, which is a greater good and the better. Yes. That's amazing to me. So Jesus models that for us beautifully. And that's just one account. He does it many times. So that's really true. Well, I would love to know what, as we are entering in this brand new year, what are some just challenges or exhortations or encouragements to us to embrace a different pace of life as we're moving into this new year? Yeah. So this idea of a year of slowing down, you know, uh, when I talk about hurry, I I often am talking with leaders and I often make them very nervous because they imagine (laughs) that I'm telling them to cut their to-do list in half and stop being productive and, you know, sit on your recliner watching ESPN half the day. And, you know, again, unhurried is different than busy. Unhurried, that's your soul. Mm. Busy, that's your calendar. Jesus had busy seasons, busy days. Of course he did, but he wasn't hurried. That's the difference. 
So again, when I'm talking about hurry or unhurry, I'm talking about our souls. So for example, one little simple thing you could do is if you're taking time in the morning to begin your day in scripture or in prayer, maybe you could give yourself five minutes to just be still, just be silent. Mm -hmm. You know, our temptation is to think our prayers are all the words we say toward God. But prayer, if if uh, our spiritual teachers have been right, it's a conversation. It's a conversational relationship. And that's two ways. Uh, it's speaking and it's listening, and maybe more listening than speaking. So mm-hmm. I think in all the ways we can cultivate a kind of receptive approach to our life with God, um, I think we'll find that we slow down a bit, we'll receive a little more, and we'll accomplish a little more. The other thing I would say is experiment with the art of noticing people. Um, There are a lot of people that we run past in our lives, sometimes our own families, if we're in that big of a hurry. But experiment with noticing people. Experiment with seeing people. Give an eye-to-eye thank you to the person at the grocery store who just helped you purchase your groceries. Um, Spend time noticing the people you might run past. That would be another unhurried way of living that I think, at least for me, has been very rewarding and very encouraging. Yeah, that makes me think about just trying to be present where we really are as well. You know, we're in the checkout line and what do we do? We're on our phone. We're answering an email. We're checking social media. We're frittering away our time doing who knows what we're doing, but we are not being present yeah, And seeing the people around us and realizing they are the image bearers of God. The person that is helping me right now is an image bearer of God. And just having, you know, taking a minute to be mindful and think, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you came to work today because you are allowing me to buy groceries right now. And that's what I need to continue on with this part of my day or whatever it is. So I love that. I love that challenge. And the sitting in silence as well, it makes me think of when you're in a relationship with someone, whether it's you've been married for years or a parent or or a really close best friend, you can sit in silence with that person and it's delightful and comfortable and you don't have to always be filling the space with words, but there, but being in the presence of another in that way is also just a very beautiful filling time. And I do imagine that that's what it's like. I, when I'm sitting in silence, I almost visualize in my mind, I'm just sitting in a chair and the Lord is with me. He's present in the room. And that's one of the ways that I imagine that that silent time. Well, just opening up little spaces that doesn't have to be massive spaces, but just a space to not do something. You know, another little thing I do is uh, my phone does not live on my nightstand overnight. It used to. It used to be my alarm clock, which meant it was the first thing I picked up and looked at in the morning. That is a recipe for speeding you up right right at the start of your day. So for me, it's down here in this library, which is my home office, and that's where it lives until I've had a little time to enjoy my coffee and have some prayer and read a little bit. And then I'll pick up my, and sometimes I forget to pick it up. Uh, and it's not the worst thing that ever happened. It does take a while to detach ourselves and to get used to not having that device with us. Because yeah. even though we're trying to maybe have good boundaries, it, I notice that when I'm detoxing from my device, I'm still, I'm like, I'll, 
I, as soon as my brain wants to take a break, the first thing it wants to reach for is my phone instead of just push through that, that moment of discomfort, that moment of whatever is happening in my life that's making me disengage and, but staying present and, and doing that. That's another really great tip. Thank you for that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, any other last words for us about unhurried living or? Yeah. Well, I think what I want to say is that uh, my discovery is that slowing down to the pace of the kingdom, slowing down to the pace of walking with God in my moments and in my days, slowing down to the piece of pace of peace instead of anxiety or the pace of love instead of being frantically engrossed in my own concerns. Um, it's a better way to live. I think maybe it's a way of talking about the abundance, what the abundance really is that Jesus said he came to bring us. I came that they might have, you know, abundance. And so um, that is how I envision unhurried. And then if we can live in that abundance, then we have something to share with others too. And it's not just for our own sake. It's not just for our own self-benefit, but it's for our capacity to be a blessing to others. It's a beautiful way to end. So thank you so much for those encouraging words. And Alan, just thank you again for making space to be with us today. It was great to be together. Thank you. Well, I also just want to let you all know that IVP has graciously given us a 30% off discount and free shipping on Alan's new book. And so you can get that with the code much more. I'll have all the details and a link in the show notes for you. I also want to give just a quick second to thank the team of Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. So if you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. And they've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and even mine, scripture meditation. And I want to thank you again for joining me on So Much More because we do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us. And this is one way we're creating space to listen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, Thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.